One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Zivi Owens and you're listening to the award-winning podcast Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book which debuts on April 19th and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss and literature comes out on July 1st and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com and you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen are co-authors of The Golden Couple, a novel they are the number one New York Times bestselling duo of The Wife Between Us, An Anonymous Girl, and You Are Not Alone. The Wife Between Us has been optioned for film by Amblin Entertainment with Greer and Sarah Pekinen hired to write the screenplay. An Anonymous Girl and You Are Not Alone have been optioned for television with Greer and Sarah Tapp to executive produce. Prior to becoming a novelist, Greer served as vice president and senior editor at Simon & Schuster. Simon & Schuster, oh my goodness. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, Allure, and Publishers Weekly. She lives in Manhattan with her husband and two children. Her co-author, Sarah Pekinen, is the internationally and USA Today best-selling author of eight solo novels, as well as the co-author of the New York Times bestsellers, You Are Not Alone, An Anonymous Girl, and The Wife Between Us. A former investigative journalist and award-winning feature writer, she has published work in the Washington Post, USA Today, and many others. She is the mother of three sons and lives just outside Washington, D.C. All right. Welcome, Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen, back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, this time to discuss The Golden Couple, a novel. Welcome back. Thanks for having us. I get so excited now when you have new books coming out because we've discussed your process so much that I can now visualize how you two have written the book and, or I assume I know how you have written the book. First, let's start by you explaining a little more what The Golden Couple is about. And I want to know if you had a model couple for Marissa and Matthew, if you had pictured in your head people you actually knew, because I feel like I could picture a couple I kind of know for who they are. I think we all know those couples. Yeah. So The Golden Couple is a story about a maverick therapist. In fact, she's such a maverick that she's no longer a licensed therapist. She has created a method that's all her own. It is a 10-step method 
And basically what she tells clients when they walk through the door, whatever they bring, whatever problem they're grappling with from childhood, from work, from today, she will assess them. And if she knows she can fix them in 10 sessions, she will take them on as clients. But here's the catch. They have to do whatever she says during those 10 sessions. So in we have a it's a uh, the story's told in dual perspectives. We have Avery, the therapist, and then Marissa. So I'm not giving anything away when I say that Marissa kind of convinces her husband to go meet with Avery. And he thinks they're walking in to talk about their eight-year-old son, Bennett, who's been bullied in the past and you know, kind of comes in reluctantly. And then literally on like page three, Marissa's like, actually, we're here to talk about something else. I cheated on you. And it's like a bomb has gone off in the office because Matthew is completely blindsided. But Avery has this great way about her and he agrees to to this therapy to try to repair their marriage, which is important to, to Marissa. And so then and it goes and it goes from there. And I should say, so the first person talking was Sarah. So Sarah, just say hi or something again. <laughs> so they can hear your voice. Yes. Hi, it's Sarah. Okay, and, good. Uh, and then the second woman was Greer. Greer. So. This is Greer. <laughs> okay, good. Just so people can follow who's saying what. I feel like I will never look at a crushed cup again the same way without thinking about Matthew and his rage at finding out about what happened with his marriage. Plus, so these non-traditional methods of Avery, the idea of having the person who has just been cheated on suddenly have to recount like an amazing sexual experience they had with somebody other than their spouse. I was like, okay, where is this going? <laughs> she was not your ordinary therapist, for sure. Yeah. So how did you two conceptualize this, this 10-step plan? And um, and by the way, when the book starts out and you say that you know, Avery is a non-licensed therapist now, you just assume it was something so horrible. But I actually see the value in what she did because she was trying to help someone. I don't want to give it away if you feel like that is giving things away. But I feel like it was all in service of her her client's greater, you know, greater good, essentially. And I know it's not totally kosher, but I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty creative what she did. Well, what's funny is that when Sarah and I have been, have been, you know, talking and promoting this book, we've been asking, you know, anyone we talk to, would you see a therapist like Avery, like who could, you know, kind of solve your, whatever problem you bring to them in 10 sessions and with like almost unanimously, people have said, yes, within the capable hands of someone like Avery. Yeah, it's not going to be easy, but boom, like 10 sessions, like people spend 10 years in, in therapy. So yeah, so I, I, I'm glad that you connected with her and sort of understood, you know, why she she is, does believe she's doing things for the, for the greater good. That said, uh, I don't think I would sign up with Avery. I would oh. not. Yeah. No. You're one of the few, Zibby. Really? Oh man, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't really like surprises. I don't like, like, you do anything I say for even one hour. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, given the kind of characters and storylines we write and what happens to a lot of characters in our book, you're probably wise to step back. Because, yeah, seriously. You know, the difference is in, in traditional therapy, it's kind of client-driven, and they can only go into areas that they want to explore in Avery's method, it is like boot camp on steroids. You're going to do what I say. I'm going to fix you. It may not be what you want, but this is going to be the right thing. And as you put it, for the greater good. Yeah. 
it might not be what you want, but it's what Avery thinks you need. <laughs> no, I'm sure yeah. it would be good for me. I'm just not sure. Yeah. I'm not ready. I'm not. She should probably have a field day analyzing why you're not comfortable with this. Right? I'm sure you're right. <laughs> yes, perhaps I've revealed too much about myself in that admission. <laughs> you did ask a great question. I'd love to get back to you when you talked about the golden couple. And, you know, that actually, the book began with our title. Mm-hmm. Our brilliant editor, Jennifer Enderlin at St. Martin's Press, called us one day and said, I have this great title and I can't believe nobody's used it yet. And your Jen, her enthusiasm is so infectious. And we're like, what is it? What is it? She said, the golden couple. I think you guys can write a book around that. And we were like, all right, ding dong, let's go. Time to, you know, time to figure it out. The idea, you know, that title gripped us. And that led into who is the golden couple? And just as you mentioned in the beginning, we have all seen that couple they are the perfect couple that goes to all the right openings and their kids are perfect and they don't have dog hair on their clothes like mm-hmm. I do right now. And every Instagram post is a celebration and, you know, they're, they're very enviable, but that doesn't make for an interesting book. So what we wanted to do was really dig into what would it be like to read that couple's diaries, to overhear their conversation, you know, their pillow talk at night. How could we really find the tarnish? And we thought, well, you know, if they were being, you know, maybe investigated by the police, there could be a detective who digs into them, could be a neighbor, could be another family member, could be a therapist. And as soon as we said that, we're like, okay, we're off and running. We love writing about therapists. We love digging into complicated relationships. This is that intersection and that's our sweet spot. Yeah, we felt like like we loved doing complicated, you know, relationships in general, but especially marriages, like with the wife between us. And then, of course, Anonymous Girl also had a very untraditional therapist. And so Sarah and I both studied psychology and journalism, but we're both really interested in therapy. I mean, of course, someone asked if we had done research. And I said, well, the great thing with Avery is that she's not a traditional therapist. So yes, we did reach out to several therapists that we both know my mom and Sarah's sister-in-law to have them read the book, but, but we could kind of, you know, do our own thing because she has, you know, lost her license. So I feel like if the two of you had therapists, which you don't have to admit, they might be like, I don't know what's going on here. Like every book is like about these relationships. Like what's going on in your own therapy sessions that like your whole career now is about like these non-traditional therapists sometimes who completely, you know, go in a different direction than you expect. So I don't know. I've acknowledged our therapist, or my, not ours, we don't have a joint therapist, (laughs) my therapist in our books. And I've been like, you know, but they're nothing like, you know, doctors. Like and I've sent them to to people who you know I've worked with or whatever over the years. So I'm like, not based on you, not based on you. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of therapy. I just think it's great to get a second opinion on your life. I think that's how Lori Gottlieb puts it. And I've been at various times in my life for various situations, and sometimes just to the best times are when you don't have anything urgent and you're kind of doing a little housekeeping. So my therapist has read most of my books and she, you know, she gets it. Like, this is not, this is fiction. This is not based on, you know, anybody in real life. I think it would be a fun panel to have the two of you and your therapists. I would like to interview the four of you together. <laughs> that would be That's awesome. very funny. 
I, one of our, I mean, and one of the blurbs, we got so many, you know, incredible blurbs and reviews for this book, but I think one of the blurbs that really excited us the most was that Lori Gottlieb did blurb it because uh, Sarah and I both, you know, we just think the world of her, she's so smart. And we both, you know, our, our copies of um, Maybe She Talked Someone are like dog-eared and highlighted. And so the fact that she, the book resonated with her was like, yay! <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I really love that. And I I also adore her. I also really like all the backstories of the characters. Like I've always had this dream to have this like amazing gift little store that I could walk into. And what would that be like to just surround myself with all of my favorite objects? And so Coco, Marissa's store is like a destination I would totally want to go to. And I also like how you always have this sort of haze of suspicion against any character that comes in. Like this poor girl, Polly, it's like from the second she like walks on the stage, I'm like, what's her deal? What's going to happen here? You know, everything in your books is like a question mark. And that's very intentional. (laughs) You know, you can't know who the bad guy or good, you know, bad girl or whoever it is um, early on. And yeah, I mean, for the store, I have, there is a store called Core 72 and the exact spot Coco is and everything in it is cultivated. It's not quite as, you know, high end as Coco, but it's definitely luxurious. And so the owner of it, I talked to her a little bit about it and gave her you know, a copy of The Golden Couple. And, you know, she's, she's great. She loved it. But that, that in Greer has a store in New York where she's like, okay, this is what I'm visualizing, you know, so that is kind of one of the best things about being a novelist, which you just put your finger on, Zibby, is you get to explore other lives without the consequences of actually stepping into those lives and making those mistakes and figuring it out. You get to dip in and out and play it having a little store and, you know, play it going to, you know, whatever it is, some event, but you're sitting at home in sweats, like typing away and it's just living in your mind. Yeah. And Zibby, if you want to know the inspiration in my mind for Coco was blueberry. Okay. I kept thinking about how well curated and how you can find just like the perfect gift for anyone in your life. And it's both high end and low, you know, but there's some, you know, some more affordable pro- pro- products. And I love the women who work there. So if anyone's listening and they're in New York, check out Blue Tree. And if you're in DC, check out what was the name of the store? Core 72. There was a store for a short period of time and they had all this personalized stationery and great gifts. And I, I would always go in there for my, and they, the owner was my age. And this is like, I feel like 10 years ago or maybe even more. Maybe she was a little younger. Anyway, I was kind of obsessed with the store and I still, to this day, when I need a gift, I'm like, I'm so sad that that store is gone. And I wonder what happened to that store owner. Like, that's the other thing, the relationships you can make with, you know, it's so old fashioned, right? The people in your community, like Mr. Rogers, right? But there is something special to those relationships. Likewise with the gym. And I know you have Avery, you know, checking out and stalking people at various <laughs> workout facilities. Tell me about, tell me about that and, and the fun in writing that part. I mean, we just loved having her, you know, we always imagine our characters like, how can we get them sneaking in places? Like we love to write them, whether it's like, you know, putting on a disguise and going into, you know, a bar to check something out or, you know, going into a gym to, you know, with a kind of a temporary membership. Like it's just, it just, I guess it is fun. And we get to put on our like sleuth hats and see like, how would you go about doing that? And what would you, you know, what would you say? And how could you make this somewhat believable. So again, just another one of the really, you know, 
really fun parts of our job is doing kind of doing things that you might ordinarily not, or I definitely would not do. You're a little more intrepid with this stuff, Sarah. <laughs> like <laughs> you've had more adventures doing this. Well, and I think too, you know, it's, it's one of the big things we do when we write, you know, we plot out books is we say, what is the next most interesting thing that could happen? And that's a question that constantly comes up. And, you know, Zibi, I don't know for you too, like, is this, you know, what you're doing in all your different businesses? Like, what is the next thing that would make this fun, twisty, unexpected? And that's when we're, you know, sending people into a gym, like with a (laughs) story or or whatever it is we're doing that just grips us. It's something exciting and fun. I love that. That's so a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Great. So the other the other books, when you've discussed them, you've said you have this open Google Doc and you both like literally are on the phone with each other for six hours a day. I mean, I think this is right. Maybe I'm getting it slightly wrong. Some shared document. And for six hours a day, you know, you have to tell each other if you're going to basically cheat on each other by like going to a lunch or, you know, you're not allowed to do that. Like this is the schedule and you hold, hold fast to it. How did this book come about? Like, did the pandemic change things for you? 
Yeah. So we were on tour for our third book, You Are Not Alone, when COVID hit. And every day we were like, should we be on the road? Should we not be on the road? We were calling our doctors. And finally, halfway through, we were like, this, it's not safe for us. And it's not safe for, you know, our audiences to be coming out. So we, we, left and I retreated to Nantucket and Sarah was in, you know, DC and our houses got a lot more crowded. Suddenly, you know, we used to be alone and now I not only had my two noisy dogs, but I had two kids and my husband and Sarah had a bunch of kids and her boyfriend. And so we are, we had started the golden couple, but our process changed a little bit because, you know, we still did like, we have these like walk and talks and, you know, we would still talk endlessly the what if, what if, and we would plot together, but we had to do more individual writing because Sarah was also having construction. Like the houses were noisy and we just couldn't be on the phone together because it was very, it was incredibly disruptive. My husband was making these smoothies every day, like right outside my little office. Like it was just, so, so it did, it did, it, it did change and still worked. I think we think it was still worked. Yeah. You tell us that you did it work. <laughs> did you divide the yeah. character? Like, did each of you write one of them? No, we no. Um, no, we we sort of plotted everything, but there was no division in terms of writing the characters. I know a lot of authors do it that way, but yeah, no, that wasn't. So I'm curious also on on the book side. So Greer used to be an editor, and Sarah, you've been doing this for a while now. The two of you have become this very successful duo. There are so many authors who have been unable to kind of break out in the same way, regardless, even if they might have an equally good book or their the space is crowded or like, what do you think it takes to get a book to really break out? What do you have to do if you're not already a known entity? Like, is it possible anymore or not? Oof. You know, it, that's, that's tough. I have to say, you know, I'm on, on, on Instagram when you're scrolling. And of course, most of the people I follow are a lot of them are, you know, book bloggers and book authors. And you look and you just see how many books are published every day. And so many of them are probably really, they're, they're terrific. And I just, I do think it's really, it is really tricky. I mean, with us for our first book, there was a lot of excitement behind it. I think our story, like an age, an author editor team, you know, the, the, our relationship was novel. I think the book itself, you know, there was a really big, unique twist to it. Our publisher, the jacket was perfect. They put a lot of energy behind launching it. So I feel like for that book, it was really the perfect storm of like every perfect, every ingredient you could have to make that book a success. Truly we had, you know, some, some, you know, skill writing a great book, some little bit of luck, some, you know, just the real power and energy of our, of our publisher, but we didn't take anything for granted. And we expressed, there was so much gratitude you know, every day for the success that that book became and then, you know, launched this, you know, these, these uh, the next, the next three books. I don't know, Sarah, what do you think? Anything else? Yeah. I mean, Zibi, I totally hear what you're asking. And if there was some magic formula for breaking out, like we would Mm -hmm. all be like desperately trying to figure out what it is. And I know so many authors who have written the most beautiful books, as you've said, books who that are every bit equally as good as, you know, books that are dominating on the list. And, and I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. Like, you know, it, it, it just, it, 
people say it's word of mouth, it's you know a TikTok campaign, it's this or it's that, but I, I don't know where the lightning in the bottle is. I do know, as Greer said, our incredible support from our publisher. We had this amazing team of, you know, everybody from marketing to, you know, the publicity to our brilliant editor. And they put a lot of muscle and a lot of hope and a lot of work behind our books. But other books get that too. And, you know, don't uh, launch as, as, as well as everybody might hope. So I wish I could figure it out. I know we're all trying to figure it out. But <laughs> so elusive. Yeah, I, I, just put, I just add to that, you know, when I put, if I'm putting my editor hat back on too, mm-hmm. that, you know, I, even as an editor, there were books that I was convinced were going to be the next greatest thing. They and And, you know, and as an editor and a publisher, we would put all this energy behind it and just, it just, it is, it's, it's just like some of it, it's it just not logical. It's not a science. Hmm. And yet there's no, nothing deters wannabe writers. Do you know what I mean? There's like this like instinctive human need to have your story and get it out on paper, whether it's a creative, fictitious version of life or your own story. There seems to be just this like pull and it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter what happens. But then of course, once you get in the system, it matters. <laughs> but I don't know. I've been like, sorry, I'm like so consumed by this sort of oversupply relative to the demand in this industry. And yet there's no lack of production, right? If, if, if it was another industry, they would like tamp down the production of it or something, right? To make it more equitable. But it, it, there's just too much supply. But you're right. I mean, there is this need and it doesn't matter how hard it is, it doesn't matter if you know the odds, it it doesn't matter if you have, you know, a tiny contract or no contract at all. Like if you're a writer, you have to write. It yeah. is like it, it's not, you know, a possibility. It's a must. And yeah. and yeah, you're right. There are so many books published, so many of them, you know, just heartbreakingly are quiet, but yet writers keep writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I got an email from a friend today who's like, you know, after three rejected manuscripts and several hundred rejections from agents and publishers I'm having my second book out her first had come out prior to all of this and I'm like she's got to write like she will never stop and good for her well maybe we should take that to the therapists I don't know (laughs) 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 but what advice would you have for aspiring authors those people out there who just it doesn't matter what's going to come next they're going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it is there is it important to spend more time on craft? Is it important to find a partnership? I mean, you you two have found this perfect, well, I shouldn't say perfect because who knows what goes on, but really great and effective partnership where you seem to really you know, get along great and also work really well together. Or maybe you could just even talk about that. How do you find a perfect writing team? And how do you know if you're even the right type of person who wants to be in a writing team? And does that increase your odds or make it harder or... I don't know. What, 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 what's your takeaway from this whole experience? Well, let me take the first part of your question. Like any advice to writers, like you could tell them, okay, well, don't write. Yeah. You're going to, you know, spend two, three years writing this book. And if it gets published, you're going to make approximately five cents an hour for every, you know, hour. You're <laughs> but it's not going to stop them and nor should it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not just writing for that golden you know, ring that you're going to grab on the merry-go-round. You're writing for what you learn about yourself, what you're figuring out, what you're figuring out about the world. You're writing for that daily struggle of, God, I got to get this scene down and it's not working, but if I do this and then you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, I've got it. 
the ride of writing is one of the most complicated and emotion on every you know end of the spectrum filled experiences we have and it in itself is such a gift and yeah that's what i would say is just try to enjoy the ride even as you're hating it and even as you're despairing because it is making you feel fully alive while you're doing it yeah i would echo what sarah says i think if you want to write then you then you write, but you can't, you really can't go into it with the expectation that you're going to get an agent or get published or your book's going to be on the bestseller list. I mean, you can hope that and you can, you know, strive for that, but that can't be, you have to enjoy the journey. Otherwise it is just not, it is just not worth it. I can't, or I can't imagine that it would be worth it. And then in terms of like, you know, logistics, you just, you have to just sit down and do it. You know, I like, you can't edit a blank screen. You can't, you have to just get your butt in the chair. The words don't come out unless you're actually physically there. And some days it's like, you're just sitting in front of the computer and, you know, it feels like torture. And other days you look up and you're like three hours have gone by and you know, this Zibby, right? So it's not every, every, you know, every day is different, but if you're not present to do it, then you can't, it, it just can't happen. And I think like for me, because I had never written by myself, one of the greatest, you know, there were so many, many great things about having a partner, but the accountability, because your, you know, my butt was in the chair, you know, we would do our walk and talks and then start writing. And so there, that time was completely blocked out. And I think for people who are doing it individually, they have to treat it that same way. I would say in terms of a partnership, you, people should, I wouldn't enter into a partnership thinking it's going to make your book better or worse. I think you either you either have to want to work with somebody or not. Some people are collaborators. You know, I was a very collaborative editor. Sarah, even before our partnership, had collaborated on news stories. So I think that was in our in our nature to want to do that. But that's not that's not right. You know, for for many 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 writers say to us, "How in the world do you do that together?" So I think you kind of know that, or you don't. That's good advice. I like it. Well, thank you for coming back on to discuss The Golden Couple. Congratulations on all of its success. Oh, I should ask, is this going to be a movie? Somebody just interviewed me, actually, and they were like, what book would you most like to see a movie? And I was like, well, I'll tell you. I've got this book right here. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thanks. I don't think we can announce anything yet, but fingers crossed we'll see our characters on the screen someday. (laughs) That's about a diplomatic answer. Okay, there we go. (laughs) Well, again, congratulations and yet another really entertaining, amusing, page-flipping, escapist, and helpful book. So really well done. Thanks, Zibby. Thanks for being such a supporter of us and all the authors. Princess Charming. Yes, Princess Charming. Thanks. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.